a bit about crypto. I'm David James, the Job Whisperer, and uh, we got another episode of uh, Bit About Crypto. Bit About Crypto is a human interest story where we talk to people with amazing stories and how they actually found their way and their walk into crypto and what they're doing now. And I can't do it without the help of my compadre. Dave Hampton, Robo Recruiter. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. How are you? Yeah, another week. We're back in Vegas. Yep, indeed. And uh, so we uh, represent blockchain recruiters. And so if you are listening in and you have a, a propensity or an itching in or a desire to actually know more about cryptocurrency or blockchain or NFTs, and you, you know that you want to be repurposed or you want a job there, then you should contact me. I'm David J at blockchainrecruiters.net or you can find me on Twitter the BTC recruiter and remember just because you don't have a job in crypto or don't don't see how your uh, skills are relevant doesn't mean that they aren't all right so just contact me and uh, you know I'm pretty much I take calls with anybody who actually wants to zoom with me and I'll find a way to help you if you are a hiring manager and you have a project and you need resources and talent then you need to speak to Dave Hampton. Yep. You can find me at uh, BCE Robo Recruiter or uh, my email address is Dave at blockchainrecruiters.net or you can call me uh, 760-513-6151. Repeat that. 760-513-6151. Yeah. So uh, yeah, things are, things are going really good. Now what we usually do, so, so basically if you please support the channel. Hit a like and leave a comment and uh, subscribe. That helps a lot. You can always change your mind. Um, yeah, what we used to do on the show is we used to talk about the jobs that we had. We used to talk about all the candidates we had. And now we just have too many. We just have too many. <laughs> so so if you if you are in the blockchain space and you want a job, call me. If you're in the blockchain space and you need to see people a lot need a job, call David. So we're gonna yep. get we're really excited about uh, today's guest, the fight on Trojan from Southern California. Like myself, I'm not a Trojan. I was born at UCLA, but he and I we worked that out <laughs> offline. So with no further ado, <laughs> I want to invite today's guest, John Kraske, the director of strategic partnerships at Mark Cuban Venture backed NFT Entertainment Studio, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. 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 Th thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is a uh, this is always fun for me to uh talk to people in the space. So, yeah. I've um yeah, I mean it, it's it's crazy. I've only been in the space a year and now I'm considered an expert in uh, the NFT industry. It's you pretty, wait. It's pretty wild transformation. You've been in the NFT experience a year? That's like OG. That's like, yeah, <laughs> it is OG. Honestly, I mean, I'll, I'll admit at the beginning of the year, I didn't even know what an NFT was. And now that is all I talk about. I mean, I live, breathe and sleep NFTs. So it's, um, I, I feel very fortunate though. It's literally my dream job working in my dream company. I'm doing exactly what I was put on this earth to do. So, so as a, uh, as a recruiter, that's, that's awesome. We call you unobtainable. I, you know, unobtainable. Like you're unobtainable because there's nothing we could come in and, yeah, and offer you, yeah. right? Other than blunt force trauma, mastery, <laughs> uh, mastery, autonomy, meaning. You have all three yeah. of those, and that's what that's leads right. to satisfaction in career paths. Right. So, that's, that's so, yeah, it's it's crazy. All, all the all those experiences, a lot of failures, all those things. It was sort of a that kind of culmination of all those things, and it kind of crescendoed into what I'm doing now. But it all makes sense. All everything that happened <laughs> before now makes sense. But it yeah. took. A, Took me a long time though. I'll be honest. It, 
took me over 20 years to find my dream job, but I, I am proof to never give up on your on, on your dreams. So. I, I have zero experience I, with failure. I endorse that. I have zero experience with failure, but I'm really looking forward to hearing how you overcame. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so it, it, well, it's really a funny thing. So I, I really am an OG when it comes to crypto because I was, in, I was actively holding Bitcoin in 2013, talking about Bitcoin. No one would listen. No one wow. was. My kids got me a shirt that said, warning, may randomly start talking about Bitcoin, which is true, right? And then Bitcoin came in 2019 came, and all of a sudden, now we're talking about Ethereum, right? We're talking about Ethereum and Bitcoin, and it's cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency. And all of a sudden, we, we started a recruiting firm two years ago. We said, I said to Dave, we got to repurpose our entire firm. We fired all of our construction clients, right? I mean, no net, <laughs> no net. And we just, we, 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 you know, the calling that you have is the calling that we had. And we started this, this entire thing. And the first year, everybody was like, look, we're, we're doing our native token. We're doing, we're doing this, we're doing that. No one was talking about NFTs, like who do you have? And then all of 2021, it's 90%. Yeah. We've got an NFT project. Word of the year, NFT. Yeah, yeah. And, and nobody actually cares about making like that financial token or that, that, that use case token as opposed to, it's, it's just crazy how it's gone. So, yeah. so, so John, you, are you from are you Southern California? Were you raised? No. Okay. No, born and raised in Seattle. Seattle, so. yeah. Okay. Yep, Seattle, two oh six. Two oh six. It's probably two oh six. So it's raining wherever you go, no matter even if you leave Seattle, it's raining. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's always raining. That's why yeah. you stayed in the Sunshine State, huh? Yeah. That is it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I grew up in Seattle, and right, I, I went to Seattle U for undergrad, mm -hmm. and I was an accountant actually. So I, I was actually originally a marketing major, and then I had a mentor that convinced me that I was super logical, so I should go into accounting. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Did you, yeah. go, did you go to the big four? I did go to the big four. I, I did. I, I started with KPMG in San Francisco, worked there for almost three years. Then I, I had some friends at PwC in Seattle because I moved, ended up moving back to Seattle uh, after my like third year in public accounting. So then I worked at PwC for a couple of years. It only took me five years to realize that I was actually just a very average accountant and I didn't like it at all. So. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk, let's talk about that for a second. So people don't know this about me, but <clears throat> when I branched out on my own, the everybody said, "Yeah, auditors are the, nobody wants a job in audit. They're too hard to find." So yeah. I, I left my firm also without a net in 1991, and I started internal audit recruiters, right? And I eventually became the world's largest recruiting firm that only did internal auditors, and that's what we do. We would find people who were like just so cursed and hated the financial. Part of things, it's like, hey, don't you want to go to Tokyo with Sony, right? And and uh, do you, don't you want to work for Nike in their internal audit? You go, no, no, you're not doing audit. You're improving things, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. but I, uh, but you know, as I grew in age and mentored, I would speak to people, and I realized there are a lot of accountants who really hate their job because they are told by some influencer, their parents, if you major in accounting, you'll always have a job, right? But not necessarily. Uh, yeah, when, that that that's uh, that's how I got sold on it. So <laughs> steady, and, slow and steady, huh? Low and steady. But then what happens is, especially after doing that for five years, you sort of get boxed in and it, then it becomes just as like this monumental challenge to try and pivot out of it. So, yeah, so that's what's been happening with me for like the last 20 years. And then now, finally, NFT space gave me a clean slate. So that's that's like I'm, I'm so thankful for that uh, because it's such a nascent industry. That's the great thing about it. So, so nascent. 
nobody, nobody has experience in it. So anybody that's hiring is going to look at just sort of your passion, your enthusiasm, just your, your, your transferable skills. It's, it's, it's kind of a great opportunity to jump in if you're trying to kind of turn around your, your career and looking to try to do something different. It's, it's, it's super exciting. So well, I tell anybody that's kind of like, doesn't like their, their career or even where they're at in life, like take a hard look at the NFT space right now. Cause that's going to welcome you with open arms. So, well, this, this, you know, and all my life of recruiting, right. I mean, I've been a professional recruiter since 88, right. I mean, professionally, that's what's when I started in all my life, never has somebody actually been able to get a, a job and be able to transfer just based on knowledge and, and, and attitude. Right. And passion. Yeah. And I have a, I have a, uh, an elevator mechanic who knows mm -hmm. everything about crypto and NFTs. And we're going to get him a job soon as a uh, community manager, right? Nice. An elevator mechanic. That's right. Yeah. Right. Cause he can explain all on why this is working, why this won't work and what's going to happen in the future. And, and that this is so great about this space. So, so you grew up in what kind of family I, did your, Dad worked for Boeing or you know? no, 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 my parents actually divorced when I was seven, but I mean, I, I would always fly. My dad would always live in like super cool places. So he lived like in Florida, uh, specifically Miami, Fort Lauderdale. He lived in San Diego. So like spring, spring break, summer vacations, we'd always be flying to see my dad, but no, my mom and grandma who were both, uh, Italian. They, they raised me, they lived on the same street. So heavy female influence growing up. I, I actually did work. I actually, I had a bunch of like kind of random jobs growing up in late, late grade school, high school. I had like a paper route, but I also worked at a baseball card store for a while. So, so, oh, so you learn you learned scarcity, you learn scarcity. Yeah. So <laughs> it's so funny how things come full circle, but and then I just stopped collecting baseball cards after, you know, you know, high school and last 20 years, but it, it's kind of funny. So when I saw this NFT space, I could kind of relate to, some of the you know the the the, the collectible yeah, the uh, nostalgia components to do it right mm -hmm. yeah so so you you go to school in Seattle right and yep. and you were on your way to be marketing and then while you were in college you were taught to someone who taught a mentor you uh, you had a mentor who worked at I think he worked at Morgan Stanley if I remember correctly he's like he's like you should really look at accounting you're logical a lot of jobs oh the whole path that mm -hmm. you got sold on it's stable it's it's recession proof yada 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 so I went down that road and I did well. I, I think I graduated like a 3.93. So I was obviously crushing my accounting classes, but I just remember the first day at KPMG in San Francisco. I think, I think the client was like, they made heart, uh, heart scanners. I'm just like, Oh my God, what am I doing? I, they, this is just like, <laughs> I think I was doing some type of accounts payable reconciliation. I'm just like, Oh my God, is this, is this the rest of my life? What did I just sign up for? But I knew right then that that was not where I should be. But of course, you know, I'd already spent all this time studying the county. Yeah. And yep. Yep. Yeah. It's knowing it and then acting on it. Right. Which are the two yeah. things. Right. So oh, and you you stayed with uh, a big four for uh, four, five years, five, almost five so, years. And then I started thinking. So so I looked at the NBA. So I started looking at the NBA because I was like trying to figure my escape route out of this. So I thought that, that the, the MBA would provide me that opportunity, but I wanted to go to obviously a top tier school. I failed miserably when I took the GMAT the first time. I think I got like a 570, which wasn't going to get me to any good schools. So I knew like I wanted to go to a, like a top tier program. So at that time, I was like, okay, this process is going to take still a couple of years because like I just was not good at standardized tests. And I can relate. Started, 
Yeah. So I had a former colleague that was working at the time it was Washington Mutual, but they got acquired by JP Morgan. So that's what I put on my resume now. But I ended up working for him for almost three years doing loan sales and securitizations. I still don't even know what I honestly, I still don't even know what that is, but I did that for three years. It's, it's sort of amazing. I, you can do a job for three years and not even be able to articulate what you did. But. Hey, hey, you can be a recruiter. <laughs> no, no, no. Li listen to me. Listen to me. My first day as a recruiter, you know what they said to me? They said, pick up the phone, call these 40 people and say you've got a programmer in an MDS, XA in a CICS environment, mostly offline. I still don't know what any of that means. <laughs> I, I, but that's like, hey, well, does he have COBOL? I go, uh, yeah. Hey, when can I see him? I mean, so I didn't stay in programming very long, so I understand. So so you, you, you pivot up and you're a CFO. So basically, okay, we're going to get our MBA. We're getting out of accounting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I got. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it, it just took me a while, but eventually I bumped my score up to 670. So yeah. I literally I, I it took me probably 18 months of studying for the GMAT. I just became a GRA robot and I just muscled my way into a 670 through hard work. Not and nothing to do with intelligence. It was just sure will. Work, just grinding. Sure, sure will. will. Yeah, man. <laughs> and that got me into USC because I, I really knew I wanted to do like the business side of entertainment. They had one of the best business of entertainment programs in the world. And that was like, I, I literally, I didn't even apply to any other schools. I was like, that's, that's the school. That's the program. Right. Right. And I also see that you actually were an intern at uh, Walt Disney company. I of course yep. would come and plucked you out of there with that background. Absolutely. <laughs> because, because, you know, I mean, many apply and few are chosen for that program and you know that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. But so, so what do you, what are you thinking your life is going to be after you get your MBA? and take take this next emphasis uh, a big time entertainment executive that that was that was the, the dream you, you know I, I remember reading books by michael eisner former head of ceo of disney uh, who else brandon tartikoff I, I would read like these these books about like very successful executives in entertainment and, I, and that's what i aspired to do then you know when i was in, at disney it's funny you mentioned disney i was i was there and i was kind of doing like finance and marketing and it felt no different than working in Washington Mutual. I'm like, man, this is not what I want to be doing either in the space. It was kind of funny. It was just very robotic. And, and I'm starting to think like, wow, there's not, industry is not actually the issue I'm having here with my career, right? So, because I thought, oh, well, entertainment, business side of entertainment, uh, it's just going to be so much sexier and so much more fun. Yeah. Nope. Nope. I, I, I'm still just like a robot sitting at a desk. I was like, okay, this is definitely not the answer. I ended up working for, I worked for a Spanish communications company, again, very corporate. But then one of my professors at USC was Aaron Kaplan, a very famous TV producer. So mm -hmm. I started doing some consulting work for him. He left William Morris. He was starting to do his own thing. So I literally did probably a year and a half of consulting for him, all free, all pro bono. And I, the, the goal was like, hey, like I'll do this consulting and then you'll start your own company, which he did. And then you'll hire me. The only thing that didn't happen was he hired me, not him not hiring me. So that like that didn't happen. So, <laughs> so it was, it was a, a miscalculation on my part. So then I was just like, okay, well, I got bills to pay. I had a recruiter, somebody in your world, but they reached out to me and said, Hey, there's this, this, this designer that's uh, looking for somebody with your skill set. He's, he's, he's blowing up and, at the time, I thought it was a fashion company. I think even the recruiter thought it was a fashion company. That's even the more crazy part. But it, he actually ended up being a, a very famous interior designer. His name is Michael Smith. Right, Jasper. 
Jasper, he did the, he, his claim to fame, I guess, at this point is he, and I was there when it happened, we designed the White House for the Obama. So that was a really cool project to work on. He's done a ton of other celebrities, Cindy Crawford, Steven Spielberg, Harrison Ford. I mean, it was like a very cool list. So he had some entertainment vibes, but it was interior design. Again, not passionate about interior design at all. But <laughs> but, but the reason I was able to sell that, I think, in the interviews, because my grandpa actually in Seattle growing up had a furniture store. So I had that in my blood. So I think that's how I sold it. But again, it was, I was again, I was like, I was a CFO very just not what I wanted to be doing functionally every day. I, I could do it. I'm, I'm smart. So I can kind of fake my way through just about any job, but it just, it just didn't feel like, like my natural energy. Right. So I did that for almost seven years. I didn't, I segue, I, I tried to break into tech. I worked for a tech company for a little over a year and a half called Lauren Wolf. They were in the design space. They were just, they were trying to democratize interior design with the technology then that company went out of business. Then I, I moved to New York and worked for a smaller version of Michael Smith, another designer. Then and Brian McCarthy, just, right? The luxury. Yeah, Brian McCarthy. But I was doing the same thing with Michael Smith, but just like on a smaller scale. And it's just, I love being in New York. So I, I got an amazing experience in terms of living in New York, but uh, it was just, again, I would just not what I wanted to be doing. So, okay. So thankfully, me- the pandemic actually happened. The pandemic was actually. As, as tragic as it was for a lot of people, for me, it was the best thing that ever happened because it gave me an opportunity to reset my life and the world slowed down. And I was like, okay, this is my chance to actually catch up and figure out exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I, I took a, the bull by the horns. I, I hired a personal trainer, lost 40 pounds. I started with that. So it started like with a physical transformation. And then from there, I built it into like a mental transformation. So I started looking, I, I probably applied to a thousand jobs hundred interviews, got rejected by 99 of those companies. And then all of a sudden this opportunity with NFT genius came. I was like, whatever. I, I honestly, at the time I was just like, whatever, like, what is this? I don't even know what an NFT is. Started to listen to some podcasts with the CEO and founder. And I was like, wow, this is actually the job I wanted. Oh, hold on a second. Years ago. Hold on a second. Yeah. When you say that this job came, so you said you sent out a thousand resumes and you went on 100 interviews, like one. Correct. And, and, and man, that, I mean, that must have been just dispiriting as hell, like rejection, 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 right? You get hired as a oh. CFO in, in five seconds, right? But, but not these yeah. other things. So, yeah. but, but so now you're learning, you, you, you had submitted to like on a whim, like all your other whims to <sighs> NFT genius. And yep. all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know what this is. And you're listening to the podcast before the interview happens. Correct. Correct. Right. So you're, you're cramming, you're cramming for the test, right? You want to be a subject matter expert yeah, enough you to, you to be dangerous about, or at least, right. Am I hearing that correctly? Seen it, be seen is what you know what you're talking about. Yeah. But it resonated. I was like, I understand, you know, NFTs, the power to give creators and brands the opportunity to properly monetize their assets and also engage fans in, in a new, unique, meaningful way. All those things spoke to me on a, on a human level. And it was, it was the reason why I wanted to get in, into entertainment in the first place. I was like, oh, this, this, this mission of what an NFT can do to change, you know, creators' lives is this is this excites me. And so it, it was just very easy. It was a very natural, organic conversation. It was literally too. It was I literally spoke to one of the executives, half hour. He was sort of the, the first line of defense. And then I just talked to the CEO for another half hour. Boom, boom. Happened probably in 10 days. It was such an easy fluid process. Wow. 
So everybody who's listening, right? This is this is a perpetual career number cruncher, right? Who who will, will get hired in a minute to his brilliance of numbers, but he hates it, right? And he actually founds his way with some education and some intellect and a different spin. And he gets hired at this NFT company. And so that's what I want to say to you. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I don't care, I don't care if you're a greeter at Walmart. All right. If you love crypto and are passionate about the space, you call me and we will re- we'll find a way to repurpose you. Whether we get you the job or not, we what we do at Blockchain Recruiters is we find the people, we give them the opportunity. The the clients they come when they realize that they need us, right? But our our mission, our giving back is that we will actually help you help yourself and guide in the direction. And actually you can see that, that, that John here, he actually just figured it out on his own. It's like, it, 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 it's a great epiphany. It's a, it's a great, great milagro, if you will. But let me ask you a question. You, you being yeah. a financial guy, you had to have heard about Bitcoin and crypto before then. You had to have some type of awakening to it, no? I did, but I just really wasn't in, I, I just was like, ah, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe this thing is gonna be the future. I wasn't sure. But yeah, I wasn't, I'll be honest, I was not active in it. The founders of my company were, they were, they were crypto guys that pivoted into NFTs. They saw the opportunity to finally, I guess, I guess the best, easiest way is just NFTs are like one of those first use cases to be able to buy and sell goods and services with cryptocurrency. It's kind of that first kind of marketplace test. So it's, it's, it's super interesting. Now, now, now I'm definitely more, you know, you know, educated on it because that's all I talk about. So, but now it's my passion. It's it's funny when you talk about my my career before. It, I was always exhausted. It just felt like work, and it just it was just yeah, it was actually it was, defeating, it was, exhausting. It was this drudgery. Is, is what it was. Drudgery. I just do all this time. It just because it doesn't feel like work. I just wake up and just know I'm just. I don't care about working sixteen yeah hours a day because it's it's not work. It's yeah. just it's my yeah. natural energy. Right. So here, so say it. So, so tell them what what do you t- what do you tell the candidates? Uh, they know what they do. Well, I, I mean, you mean what you say or what? I, I was just gonna say you work, you know, love what you do, you know, work a day in your life, right? That's what Steve right. Jobs so said. It's not working. Yeah, you're not, you're not working. I mean, that's that's. You're, I haven't you're worked, loving. I haven't worked a day in my life in seven years since I found recruiting. I mean, that's just. I, I, I get that. I get uh, what you're there, talking there about. There are days I make it feel like it's work for you. I, I I'm <laughs> not easy. <laughs> But well, if it weren't challenging, then I mean, it just I, I, I'm not saying it's not without challenges, but I, I don't I don't even view that as work. I think that's just part of the gig. Like, I mean, being challenged is necessary for me to be engaged, if you ask me. Um, so, John, you go ahead. Oh, you're about to say no, something. I just I, I mean, you know, honestly, like I think my mission now I, I realize I want to inspire as many people as possible to be that's the best right. version of themselves and preach. Find, find that dream job. Preach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> preach. Preach. Preach, John. Because honestly, during the pandemic, I had two friends that were I worked with in public accounting. They both died. They're early 40s. One worked in Amazon. Another one was like a controller. Different reasons. Neither were COVID. But it just proves how fragile and short life is. And things can just, you know, immediately be taken away. And if I like I'm, I'm still healthy mentally and physically and like like go for what you want. Like just literally wake up to today or tomorrow, whatever, just go for what you want. If you're not happy with where you're at personally, professionally, or both, just go for it. Just don't even blink. So, and so I, no, I'm sorry. I, I just got yeah. enthusiastic. I, I, yeah. I, I, I tell people, so I've been helping people find jobs my whole life, way before mm-hmm. I became a recruiter. 
And what I do now is like, even like recently I went back to Wisconsin to see Derek Guzman. He's the head golf professional at uh, Sand Valley there in Nakusa, Wisconsin. And they've got this golf program where they bring people in. Right. And I said, I want you to, I want you to stay in love with golf and not fall out of love with yourself. Right. And Ooh. this is what John is talking about right now. Right. He, he had fallen out of love with himself because of the job he'd chosen. Right. Now he's in love with NFTs. And he's in love with himself as a spirit. Right. No, but this but this this is the winning combination. And you've got people who are, who are not in love with themselves because they hate the job. Right. And, and I, you know, I've got a lot of experiences because I came very, very close to a lot of my auditors. And you know, a lot of it didn't end well, like, you know, divorces and just there just wasn't enough of the things, the good stuff in the, in the relationships because that was so draining. So when you speak of that exhaustion, I'm speaking from firsthand experience. Yep. Right. Yeah. So the, there's no way I'd place an auditor again. I mean, no, no, uh, <laughs> I, the, 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 the cool thing, again, that the, the NFT, it's crazy because I started NFT Genius. They just hired me as a special project manager, like. I actually didn't. The funny part is I didn't even get the job that I interviewed for. That's even more crazy about the, how this all story. I, I interviewed for it was like a chief of staff job and I probably was overqualified. They're like, yeah, you're probably overqualified for this, but we like you so much. We're just going to figure out to find a spot for you. So they just hired me on with a super ambiguous title, special project. OK, and what did that look like? Did it look like um, accounting again? No, it was actually it was actually more of a product manager role. I never, I didn't even know what a product manager was. I was just like, wow, what, what, what does this even mean? I don't know if this <laughs> is really my skill set, but I kind of filled in the gap, helped them with a bunch of their different uh, projects they were launching internally. And then I just, I, st I proactively started posting on LinkedIn religiously. I'd, I'd taken classes. There's a guy on LinkedIn called Justin Walsh. He has something called, I, I think he changed the name of it, but it, it used to be called the LinkedIn Playbook. And it was basically a way to optimize and monetize your LinkedIn by posting and kind of giving you tips on how to properly post, how to engage with people on there. Also, the biggest thing he had was find your tribe on yeah. LinkedIn. You got to mm -hmm. find your tribe. And I never, I really never had the right message to find that tribe. But then it all clicked. I was like, NFTs, this space is so hot. I am just going to own it. So, so that is what I've done on so, LinkedIn. I've so, so, basically become the president of NFTs on LinkedIn. So self-elected. <laughs> self-elected, so, yes. So is is NFTs your tribe? That is my tribe, 100%. I, it's funny. Dave, what's your tribe? That's a good question. Uh, just recruiting. I mean, that's, that's I mean, I, well, I mean, I'm not, it's interesting that, that um, I, yeah, it demands some investment. Well, yeah, I mean, recruiting recruiting isn't really my tribe. I'm not like a, I'm not, it's not like I'm in the tribe of recruiters per se, but uh, yeah, I'd have to get some some thoughts because yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm into um, helping people, helping, like, I, I guess, I guess the mutual beneficial relationships in terms of helping and just, and then paying it forward. Yeah. That's my tribe. He's in the empowerment tribe. That's the way, but, but it's funny that you say that because, I learned this from, from Robert Kiyosaki. As soon as the COVID hit, right, I'd come home from India and I was relegated to my son's bedroom for 14 days. I mean, literally, the I went to India and then everything was turned off when I got back. A, a part of me feels like it was my fault. If I would just go back well, around. He wanted world. to go to India, but, but, but you know, at no fault of his own. It was kind of, it was kind of the, the genesis of, of our growth. It was, yeah. it was necessary for us to yeah, train. Yeah, we I trained, trained some gals there. But it's funny. 
Robert Kerlock Kiyosaki says, you got you to join the learning tribe. And I go, that's it. I'm joined the learning tribe, but I've also joined the crypto tribe and I've joined the golf tribe. And I, I, if you're like, if you're marginalized somehow and you can't get a job then whatever me helping you is, I want to be in that tribe too. Yep. Right. Because I, I see there's a lot of people that don't have the bite of the apple, right. Mm -hmm. That actually with this NFT and with cryptocurrency, it's like, if they've got a vision, they can have a voice. So that, 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 that just speaks to me. So when you said that your, your tribe, that just, that's resonated. Let's talk yeah. about, so so what so your job has evolved right so you're like this this mb so you were hired for your talent right which by the way everybody you hear hear john's story yep, he's the you, proof in the pudding yes that's right yep that that he's it's not luck okay no, it's like hey it's we we just attitude we had no good aptitude. you're the only guy that applied and we're desperate it's not even like that right so, so yeah. talk about how you evolved at your current company what you were doing and, and well and, yeah to piggyback off the linkedin stuff so I, the reason why I even brought that up is because that started creating business development opportunities. So really what I wanted to be doing was more business develop relationship management. So I just started proactively using LinkedIn to start developing these relationships. I started bringing different partnerships to the company. One of the, one of the big ones was actually, I didn't even realize it. Like, or, I mean, at the moment, like I thought it was fake, but uh, Shaquille O'Neal and his whole uh, management team, Wrote, reached out and they were like interested in exploring NFT partnerships. So that was like one of the first big time partnerships I brought to the the CEO and the, the executive team. And so I just started doing that more and more. And, and I've been doing that in different verticals outside of sports, you know, music, TV, film, consumer goods. Did so, any of your entertainment background as a controller or a CFO are any of those relationships saying, "Hey, I know how to reach this person"? Did you call in any favors? Like, um, I, I start, I did that, but honestly, now because of how how I'm, I'm probably getting ten to fifteen thousand views per each post, so people are reaching out to me now. I actually don't have to do much. My LinkedIn honestly should be on the payroll because that thing is I <laughs> think is humming right now. So if you if you can get if you can get that algorithm dialed in, LinkedIn can just like change your life. I'm telling you. Now, I'm a LinkedIn guy. I'm not a Twitter guy. I'm not an Instagram guy. LinkedIn is where, where my tribe is, and that's where my voice speaks the loudest. That's the same with me. I've got other people who post for me on Instagram and stuff like that for the show, but yeah. I, I agree. And my LinkedIn is humming like it never has before. I can, yeah. It's amazing. I, 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 all of a sudden, if you get on my calendar, all of a sudden, boom, and I realize, well, I'm bringing somebody else in, you know, very, very powerful people that, you know, they didn't want me to know in the beginning. It's, it's just amazing. So, 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 so I started taking on more of this business development. It wasn't really in my job title, but I just started doing it. And then eventually they're just like, they started seeing, okay, well maybe, you know, maybe this is what he should be doing. But, but they actually, after a special project, they put me in operations for a while, because again, the curse of my accounting and finance background. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. Well, he—that's probably what he likes to do because that's what—that's that, what, what, what he's always done, right? And he's so yeah, good at it. So they're just like, oh yeah. They're like, that's what he likes to do. He got no. a three nine three. Go no. on. So I did that for I don't even know maybe six weeks, and then I told our chief of staff, I'm like, I don't like this. Like, like I don't want to be doing this. And she's like, okay, I'm just gonna tell the CEO. And he was like, oh, you should have told me sooner. <laughs> well, okay. 
but you know what that, that so you, tells so you me. T- you, t- you told Carissa, right? That's the, yeah, I told Carissa. Yeah. 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 And she tells it like it is. Yeah, and here's the deal. Yeah, we're, spe- we're speaking to her next. And she's awesome. clo- she's cloaked in immense power. I know that. That's for sure. Yeah. But but the the thing about it is is that that's another way that you know you're the right place when you can simply just say to the CEO or the chief of staff, I don't I don't love the gig, and they immediately say, Oh, we we don't want you to not be in love. Right. Right. You never had those experiences at KPMG. It's like, hey, I don't, no. I don't want this client. Yeah. They're like, you say that over there, and like, all right, well, I guess you better find another job yeah. then. You know. No, no. no <laughs> what, what'll happen is you'll be doing the audits at the DMV and the Department of Power. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can tell. You can tell how good yeah. a candidate is. Not how much you like this. <laughs> first, first question you ask is, who are your clients? They say DMV. It's like, okay, you're either dumb or a troublemaker. Right. And neither are going to fit with my clients. But anyhow, so so you got out of the operations and then what? Then then, like they're like, well, why don't you come up with a title of what you want to really do? So (laughs) I was like, wow, this is insane. I was like, wow, you're going to let me create my dream job. This is pretty cool. So we came up with the title of director of strategic partnerships which is sort of a hybrid of business development and relationship management, which is exactly what I should be doing. And I've always, I've always been good at connecting people and developing relationships, but I never was able to monetize it. It's crazy. It's like something I've been doing for the last 30 years. And now I'm finally able to monetize it and really be the best version of myself. Personally and professionally. It's so. nuts. It's nuts because I, cause I, I feel the same way about recruiting. I was like, when I found recruiting, I was like, wait a second. This, this is a job? I get paid for this? <laughs> like, I've been doing, I, I was always the guy who was like, oh, you should, you should talk to so-and-so. Like, I mean, I was doing that in high school. I was doing that uh, in college. I, I mean, recruiting my, yeah. my, my entire intramural basketball team. We won the state champion. We won the championship twice. You know, it wasn't by a fluke that I brought all the people to the team, you know. And I'm like, yeah. and look, you look, you look, you look back on that. And you're like, wait a second. It's just, it's, um, it's incredible. It's, yeah. yeah. And I'll it's speak, incredible. I'll speak, I mean, I'll, that, I guess, I guess it's proof that like, I guess you're taught like a work needs to feel like work. You need to be exhausted and spinning. Your head. <laughs> yeah. Or it's not work. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. yeah. That's an old tape. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just going to pile on that. I was, I, yeah. I, I recruited a guy to be the heavyweight for one match on the wrestling team. Right. Cause Santa Barbara high didn't have one. We got the, got the, six points right yeah. i mean i've got a series of that and then when i get out of school and i hear about recruiting i go you guys get paid how much <laughs> this, this is a job i do for free <laughs> right and it's just i i just i can't so it inspires me when i haven't always loved recruiting right and i've fallen out of love right. with myself because i've had the wrong clients or the wrong wrong space right but you know my failures like we're talking about it. it's like okay this yeah. was a winning thing but i, I ran it too long so yeah. let's talk about what uh, <clears throat> you guys, are, your current offering is. And it's like, yeah, what do you guys yeah. So as we stated earlier, we're a Mark Cuban, Ashton Kutcher, venture-backed NFT entertainment studio. We just launched a marketplace called Gaia on the Flow blockchain. Flow is the blockchain that Dapper Labs created. They're home of NBA Top Shot. And the reason why we're building on Flow is they're actually also one of our investors. So... The Gaia Marketplace has five verticals, TV, film, music, sports, and pop culture. And it has a combination of our own internally developed IP as well as third-party IP and all those different verticals. So, you know, obviously in the TV and film, we're talking to major entertainment studios as well as different, you know, celebrities in each of those verticals. Sports, you know, talking to major sports leagues as well as individual celebrities. Music, same thing, talking to major music labels and 
different musicians. And then the pop culture is a kind of catch-all that has like luxury fashion brands, uh, you know, luxury automakers, et cetera. So it's, um, it's, it's super exciting. So we just, we launched, uh, the first project that was launched on there was called Ballers, which is, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with um, yeah. NFTs and uh, that space, but. Well, we're pretty familiar. We're pretty, we, okay, uh, so, yeah. so, so. The way I'm, I like I'm on it. I'm ballers. on the Discord uh, ballers. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, I guess the best way to describe it is if crypto punks and NBA Top Shots had a baby, you would have. <laughs> no. That's a good way to describe it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that 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 sale sold. I think it sold out in like less than three hours. Yeah, you guys made like two two million dollars, man. It was two million dollars in one one drop. Boom, just like that. Boom. And the crazy part is, is that. The secondary market hasn't even opened yet, opened up yet. But I mean, the projections are pretty rapid that the secondary sales, you know, the floor on those is going to be definitely yeah. in the thousands. I'm not even sure exactly. I've, I've heard a bunch of numbers. I don't want to throw out, but it, it, the, the, the community is very rapid. So once that secondary market opens up, uh, which should be in the next couple of weeks, you know, we, 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 the problem was we got access to the Dapper wallet before anybody else. So we, we got in way, way, way early. I believe we were, I'm pretty sure we were the first or one of the first to get access to Dapper Wallet, which is, you know, the 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 magic of the whole flow blockchain is you can use fiat currency. So that 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 mom that only, you know, knows how to, you know, buy toilet paper on Amazon, she can also now just go on to on to flow and just basically swipe the credit card and have that same Amazon experience and buy an NFT. But uh the Dapper Wallet also, you know, if the the sort of the OG crypto people, they can use their Ethereum and Bitcoin as well. So it kind of gives you the option to do both. But anybody that doesn't know anything about crypto can go on to, to Flow and just purchase an NFT like they're buying a roll of toilet paper on Amazon. So that's that's one of the advantages. It's also very environmentally friendly. And, and, and Flow too, you know, they they have those big brands. So it's, it's a really safe space if you're a, a big brand and you want to protect your brand equity. So you have the NBA there, NFL's coming on there in the next few months and La Liga and there's there's a bunch of other big brands that'll be coming on there but uh it's a it's a very much like an Apple TV experience very curated just very easy to sort of you know just navigate so it's uh it's a great partner of ours and it's 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 a, it's an exciting place so uh, yeah this is this is so fantastic that what you've been saying. Yeah. Now, you being an accountant and understanding the value proposition of <laughs> no, no of of cryptocurrency, right? Yeah. You you can make it whether you've bought it or not, you can make it analyst. What I've seen is everybody is is like not everybody. A lot of people are poo-pooing cryptocurrency, and they're mm -hmm. saying they're not. NFTs are going to be the thing, right? And I have I'm having trouble getting my arms around that, right? I yeah. just, I, that just doesn't that just doesn't occur accurate for me. I'm not saying that uh, cryptocurrencies aren't going to be valuable. Uh, I mean, NFTs are going to be valuable. But when you think about it, well, I've got the Kobe Mamba NFT for $2.5 I'd like to buy an egg, right? Yeah. It's, there, there's that transferability or that medium of exchange. Can you – and I might have caught you off guard with that. But can, no. do you have an opinion on that? The, I think – well, I think like the the the, the crypto punks that those values are not going anywhere because they're the OGs. It's it's that almost those almost function like art. So I think those some of these newer ones, yeah. I I feel like the the NFT is just sort of the the cover charge to kind of get into 
the metaverse. So, cause I mean, I think <laughs> things are changing so quickly. I mean, like the, the whole metaverse thing, people are buying plots of land like crazy now. Somebody just paid $450,000 yeah, to buy plot next to Snoop Dogg. Yes. Yeah. Did you see that? No. I, I saw that. I, I, I'm like, I'm like, really? I mean, who's got 450 grand just to buy a piece well, of like digital? Not, a lot of people have 450,000. Not 450,000 for that. <laughs> yeah. I think the NFT, so I mean, you have to think more of like the NFT is just like, like step one in this whole like web 3.0 metaverse thing because obviously people are starting to buy plots of land. Nike just bought artifacts for, I, we don't even know what the number was, but they make, they make, you know, digital shoes that you're going to be able to put on your avatars. Cause I mean, if, eventually things are just, you have to think like this, we're going to be like, we're going to have our digital avatars going out into the, in the metaverse. And we're going to be going, hanging out at a concert with our friends. We're going to be hanging out at a store or hanging out at a bar. I mean, this is, it's sort of weird to get your head around, but that's kind of where this is all you heading. Want to, you, you want to know, I think the blessing that I actually had was when I watched people do Farmville. I, yeah. I, I literally had, had an experience where someone said, hey, can you come to my house while I'm on vacation and log on to my computer and water my plants on Farmville? So <laughs> so the thing about it, this was 10 years, this was 2010, right? Yeah. And so all of a sudden it's like, wait, are you crazy? So that's, I didn't dismiss that. I didn't, because there was a change in behavior. And, and so you, you got to realize that, you know, there's, there's this evolution of things happening, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, again, it goes to community. I think, I think you know, you're going to find, you're going to have an NFT of your favorite artist. And you're going to be able to go and engage with that artist all the time with, because of the NFT. And there's going to be utility attached to that. So I think it's, I think it's, it's a new way. Because I think that's the thing that's missing right now on social media. If you have your favorite artist, you're just like sending some messages on there. But there's not really a way to meaningfully engage with your tribe of like-minded, like-spirited people. So I think you have to think about that too, like that whole community engagement. I think that actually, anytime I talk to a brand or celebrity, I ask, you know, the, the first question we ask is, what kind of community are you looking to build and how do you want to really engage them? Because I think that's where the opportunities are. So you have to bring it back to a very human level. I think that's, at the end of the day, like all the technology stuff, I, I always just bring it back to more of a human level. What are you trying to do? What kind of community are you trying to build? So it's like, that's what you have to really think about. And I think those are where the possibilities of NFTs are endless and which is really exciting too. So, John, I can't thank you enough. Uh, let's put a social up and tell everybody uh, how to get a hold of your company, how to get a hold of you. Shout out. Yeah, yeah. Well, social, I mean, there's, so there's a couple of things that we didn't even talk about, but I have a, I have a podcast called NFT Heat. Definitely check it out. We interview top thought leaders in the space. We're, we're, we're on like episode 17, but uh, we had Avery Akinini, president of Vayner NFT recently on. So it's, it's a great episode to check out. We're going to have uh, Joe Conyers, who's the head of NFTs at Crypto.com coming on uh, Friday. So fun, exciting guest. Yeah. We try to keep the episodes around 30 minutes. So definitely check that out. I'm on LinkedIn. John Kraski. That's 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 probably where you're, K R A S K I for those of you yes. who are listening on yeah. Spotify. Very similar. When you, when you Google my name, John Krasinski comes up a lot. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, John Krasinski. He's probably he's probably going to get annoyed because I mean, up until this last year, I was nobody. But as, uh, as I start to, uh, you're so much better looking than John Krasinski. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> and he's a horrible actor. So anyhow, no, I don't think I don't think either of those things about him. And yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I gotta give a shout out to Travis, my engineer. I really yeah. appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and Sticky Paw Studios of here in the in very very cold Las Vegas, Nevada. And I can't do it without my partner, Dave Hampton Robo Recruiter. Thank you. Eternally grateful. 
And, uh, you know, I'm David James, the job whisperer. And remember, everybody, get whispered.